0: Welcome to The Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week.
1: Can you even invest in gold beyond... (laughs) buying a lovely piece of jewellery well yes you can and people have been doing it for millennia
2: it's been quite a phenomenal precious metals industry over the last 18 months or so the idea of investing in precious metals really started to become the norm it started to be something that people searched out for
3: If we had a situation perhaps where coronavirus wasn't defeated, there was some kind of panic surrounding that, then you could imagine gold doing extremely well. You could also imagine gold doing extremely well in you know, another type of crisis as well.
0: Today I'm joined by money expert Gareth Shaw for a fascinating deep dive into investing in gold. We'll be discussing why it's become so popular as well as the different ways of investing in it and whether now's actually a good time to get in on the action. We are which. When it comes to your investment options, gold might not be the first thing that comes to mind. It's certainly never crossed mind before beyond buying jewellery. You know, just that thought that hopefully it shouldn't lose too much value. But this seems to be changing. Gareth, can you give us an introduction to what's been going on and generally how gold is seen as an investment? Because for many listeners like me, this will likely be quite new territory.
1: I think the last year has kind of been characterised as the year of the millennial investor with young people, you know, driving different trends in investment. And that's made lots of headline news around the world. And gold is part of that story. So going by the Royal Mint, which looks after, you know, our our coins um, and makes our money effectively. They've said they've seen a 430% increase in millennials investing in gold, mostly via its online platform. Um, So we've seen this this kind of huge surge of interest in investing in a a precious metal. And, And I mean, to your point, Lucia, can you even invest in gold beyond <laughs> buying a lovely piece of jewelry well yes you can and people have been doing it for millennia really you know gold is a valuable asset it's a tangible thing and often when you know, things are going wrong in stock markets or in currency markets or other types of markets. Gold can be seen as this store of wealth, which is very difficult to melt, um, very difficult to get rid of. You'll always have it. It could always be there as a kind of exchange of value. And so it's very appealing to people to invest in it. Now, that appeal kind of grows in certain scenarios and wanes in other scenarios, which I'm sure we'll discuss throughout this podcast. But yeah, looks like gold's back in vogue.
0: Now, before we hear more from the Royal Mint, we've been chatting to Rob Morgan, who's an analyst at wealth management firm Charles Stanley, about the major role gold has played throughout history.
3: If you went back to sort of ancient civilizations, they uh, mostly revered gold. And gold has been a, a form of currency since around 550 BC. Mm-hmm. In that sense, it's been around for. 2,500 years or or, or thereabouts. It's played a a role in the international monetary system as well. And you'll find that around a fifth of the gold that's out there that's ever been mined is in the hands of central banks.
0: So let's hear more from the Royal Mint then, which looks after gold, silver and platinum for the UK's central bank, the Bank of England. We've been speaking to its director of Precious Metals, Andrew Dickey, for their take on what's happened over the last few months.
2: It's been quite a phenomenal precious metals industry over the last 18 months or so. Obviously, with the impact of COVID and the resulting instability in in the kind of wider investment landscape, I would say certainly in the UK that that gold first and foremost really um, landed in most people's um, consciousness, Um, And for the first time, really, for, for many, many millions of people, The idea of investing in precious metals really started to become the norm. It started to be something that people searched out for just as as an alternative, not not soullessly as an alternative to other forms of investment, but um, as as an additional option uh, when looking across their wider portfolios, gold uh, and then silver and, and to a lesser extent platinum started to come into people's thinking.
0: Now, as Andrew explains, one of the main reasons people have been flocking to invest in gold and other precious metals, too, is the pandemic. Savings rates have been historically low. And sorry, I do feel like a bit of a broken record saying that. But it is true and it has given people a push to think more creatively with their cash. But there's also the fact that the price of gold has dropped in the last year by quite a substantial amount of 16%. While its price held strong at the beginning of the pandemic when the stock market took a nosedive, it's been pretty volatile since then. So Gareth, do you think the price of gold will bounce back and could it mean then that now is a good time to buy?
1: Now it's my turn to sound like a broken record, Lucia, because I'm sure I've said this on Investing Podcasts before. If I knew the answer to that, I probably wouldn't be talking <laughs> to you. Crystal ball. Exactly. I don't have that crystal ball. And, and I think actually it's when you're talking about investing, particularly you know for first-time investors or even experienced investors, speculating on an asset is, is a really risky business. You can make a strategic investment as part of your portfolio on an asset that you think might be currently undervalued, but could increase in value in the future, so long as you understand what the kind of macroeconomics are that affect that asset. So do I think the price of gold could go up? potentially because we're entering into a period of inflation you know we expect inflation as we discussed just a couple of weeks ago we're expecting inflation to go up quite significantly over the next few months and historically the price of gold has risen uh with inflation it's often seen as a hedge against inflation and that's why it can be a sensible asset to hold if you're heading into a high inflationary period so if you're thinking of adding gold to a diversified portfolio, now, uh, that, that's the critical point. This is not about chucking all of your money in gold because you think it's going to have this sort of stratospheric rise in value. That is a very risky approach to it. But if you hold an investment portfolio, you want to put some gold in there to protect you against inflation in the future. It might seem cheaper to do that now. Um, and then when we head into really choppy times when it comes to inflation, towards the end of the year into the new year, as the Bank of England is predicting, then you might see that asset rise in value. To your point about it falling, gold is no different to any other asset, a share or, or you know, a holding in property or a bond, it does go up and down in value. Now, that decrease in value may well have been driven by, you know, the opening up of economies around the world and the fact that people, as we get through the kind of worst of the pandemic, people feeling like, you know, economies are picking up, more and more people getting back into the workforce, companies able to sell more goods, shares looking like the most attractive or one of the most attractive assets to um, invest in, you know, as companies start to grow again and therefore less people wanting to hold their money in gold as well what they see as a sort of traditional safe asset, because it's this alternative to money. And so they're coming out of gold and going into um, other types of assets where there's greater potential for growth, and that will depress the value of gold. So like I said, at the beginning, I think you need to understand the fundamentals of what influences gold and what's going on in the in the global economy to make a really informed decision about whether or not you, could, you should invest uh, in the hope that the asset will grow.
0: And on this point, we also put this question to Rob Morgan. And here he is weighing up, what could happen to the price of gold depending on whether interest rates
3: rise? At the moment, we're in a sort of phase where people have quite a high level of confidence in economic growth. People are even starting to worry about inflation and that higher interest rates might uh, come come in um, the next uh, couple of years even. And that takes the shine off gold, because gold doesn't pay any interest. And uh, it's uh, it's it's effectively a dead weight in, in, in that sense. But if we had a situation, perhaps where, you know, coronavirus wasn't defeated, there was some kind of um, uh, panic surrounding that, then you could imagine gold doing extremely well. You could also imagine gold doing extremely well in you know, another type of crisis as well, where, wherever there is, is sort of turbulence. So it might not be a, a, a bad time to, to kind of start accumulating it because people seem to be assuming really that um, that we're going to get, uh, a, you know, a pretty rosy economic scenario and um, some, some inflation coming, which will lead to higher interest rates. Now, if that doesn't transpire and there's a bit of a downturn, then I can see gold doing doing fairly well.
0: Gareth, could you explain why the price of gold is linked to interest rates and inflation?
1: Well, it's not kind of uh, physically linked, but there, there, there is a kind of inverse relationship between gold and interest rates. Basically, historically, when interest rates rise, the price of gold tends to fall. And that's because people can put their money in other assets like cash savings accounts and earn more money from them. So they might take their money out of what they perceive to be this safe alternative asset in gold and put it into cash or put it into shares and see greater potential for growth. Um, So, um, you know, rising interest rates makes shares, bonds and other investments more attractive to investors. That's where they go. Demand for gold falls. the, The gold price falls. The, the opposite happens when interest rates fall, the price of gold tends to rise. So, um, you know, they're, they're not kind of the pricing isn't twinned with them physically, but, but they do have a, a very close correlated relationship.
0: Okay, so let's look at what to do if you want to invest in gold, because you've got a number of options. First, if we take buying it physically, looking at the Royal Mint website, you can shop for gold bars, which I saw for the first time this week, and to be honest, found it quite surreal. You can buy a gram for about £60, or a kilogram for just over 40 k And they come with different images casted on them like coins. There was even a James Bond edition, though that is now sold out, I should say. But also, as we've already touched on, the Royal Mint has a digital platform for buying precious metals. And aside from the novelty of owning gold bars, it does sound more convenient. Gareth, how does this all work?
1: Yeah, so platforms like Royal Mint's DigiGold, they allow you to buy essentially a fraction of the physical gold that's stored in the seller's vaults. And what that enables you to do is access the gold market at really low cost. I mean, you can you, with with the Royal Mints platform, you can start at twenty five pounds, um, and and what you're doing there is you're you're purchasing, you know, a bit of a a bar that exists somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, the kind of um, the the technical term for this is allocated uh, gold. So, this is where um, you open an a, a account with a broker, you're buying gold, it's stored by the seller, and you have coins and bars kind of assigned to your name. And, and what you tend to do is pay a percentage fee of the gold's value to store it. And often that gold is undivided. So, there's not an individual piece that you own, um, and I, you can kind of redeem your money as a kilo or as, as in, you know, a 100 gram bar a cheaper way of investing in it in a similar kind of structure is an unallocated account effectively what you do there is you own shares in bullion but you don't own a specific piece and you don't even own a fraction of a specific piece but you don't pay any storage fees and you don't and you have much lower trading costs as well there is some risk there if your broker becomes insolvent um your investment may be at risk uh, whereas in an allocated account, the, the brokers are kind of custodians. So if they go bust, you retain ownership of, I guess, your little quadrant of a of a bar. Um, I would say here that investment in physical gold is unregulated. So you don't get any coverage by the UK's financial services compensation scheme. That's a really important thing to remember. It doesn't make it like, you know, an investment fund or a cash savings account which are covered by the FSCS.
0: So Gareth, that's buying a fraction of a bar. But what if you wanted to buy a full bar of gold or a coin? Do you get it delivered to your house or just the Royal Mint, for example, store it? What happens there?
1: It depends. You know, most most of the physical gold that you buy is small format gold. It, it weighs less than a kilo. It comes in coins or bars you know anything more than this tends to be too much for the average investor you're talking about tens of thousands of pounds mm. gold is usually weighed in troy ounces that's the equivalent of around 31 grams it has a there is a, a market there are kind of two prices that you need to look out for the, the common price you see is the spot price um but when you're buying physical gold you usually pay the bid price, which includes it includes a premium to cover the cost of refining, pressing, punching, and minting the gold. So the price you perhaps you see if you go and Google what is the price of gold is not necessarily the price you would pay for physical gold. One thing that's really popular are investment grade coins. They weigh one troy ounce; they're equivalent to twenty two carats. So we'd start to talk the language that people might be familiar with if they own any gold jewelry, jewelry, or they've bought any for somebody. 22 carats means it's 91% pure. Some of the terms, the names of these coins you might want to look out for if you're interested, the South African Krugerrand is is a really well-known one, the US Eagle, the Canadian Maple Leaf, the Chinese Panda, the Austrian Philharmonica, the Australian Kangaroo, but if you just want to um, be patriotic, the UK's Britannia and Sovereign um, gold coins – Funnily enough, British coins are legal tender in the UK and they're exempt from capital gains tax. That's a really valuable um, little bonus for you there. So if you do sell one of your gold coins for a profit, you don't have to pay um, any tax on that, which is good. You can also buy gold bars as well. On your point about storage. Yes, you could take it home make sure you put it on your home insurance you might get charged a whacking great premium <laughs> by your uh, home insurer if you've got some really valuable precious metal in your home in order to make sure that's covered so do your research first it's quite common for people to pay for you know a broker to store it but just as i was saying earlier you know there are costs to paying for storage
0: you might need a safe at home which would be quite an investment i'd imagine
1: it would be quite an investment yeah I, I'd say it really depends on how much gold you're buying and if you've got anything else valuable that you want in your home, you know, in a safe as well. If you do have a safe, that might reduce your home insurance premium. So perhaps it is a good idea.
0: And if you don't want to buy gold or a fraction of digi gold, how else can you invest in it?
1: Yeah, You can can invest in gold without actually going near the metal at all. So one of the ways that people commonly do this is by shares in gold mining companies. Um, And that gives you access to some of the movements in the gold market without actually purchasing um, the metal. Uh, You can do this through a fund that pools your money with other investors. Other investors is mainly invested in gold mining shares. Um, You can the entry point for that can be as little as £10 a month when you're buying units in a fund there aren't many of them out there they can be volatile in value you know expect kind of stratospheric growth and then quite dramatic falls as the demand for gold ebbs and flows um the other way to do it is something called an exchange traded commodity these tend to be a sort of hybrid of shares and funds which i was just describing they're traded on the stock markets but they they can issue an unlimited number of shares. And what you do with an exchange-traded commodity, these are complex products. So I don't hold anything against you if you're racking your brain saying, what on earth are you talking about? I'll do my best to explain this in, in layman's terms. When you buy shares in an exchange-traded commodity, they're, they're backed by physical gold that the fund has bought. And then that sh- the share price, the shares that you own, track the price of the gold that's been purchased. Then what's known as passive funds, they just track the price of the asset. So they're relatively cheap to hold, but gold doesn't pay out anything. There are no dividends. (laughs) Um, And and even though you own shares in in these funds, they don't pay you a dividend. So it's not the same as owning shares in a a company or indeed in in an investment fund that owns shares. They also aren't covered by the financial services compensation scheme. So, you know, if the institution which backs the fund fails, you're exposed to risk.
0: And now can we go back to the stat you mentioned at the beginning that millennials investing in digital gold or digi gold, as the Royal Mint calls it, has gone up by 430%. With how to invest being so accessible, this might naturally interest a younger crowd. But it also seems to be a kind of second wind of that GameStop investing buzz, which we've spoken about before on the podcast, and was largely a result of chatter on forums like Reddit. Gareth, has social media played a big part with gold?
1: I think social media has played a big part in um, uh, you know a younger interest in investing. I think that digital technology has democratized investing. So you know you can buy fractions of whatever you want these days. Gold, absolutely, and and of course everybody knows what gold is. So mm. there's an there's an immediate appeal if you can get a, if you've got a really low point of entry, say twenty five pounds, and you can hold gold, that is appealing. In the same way, you know there are accounts out there that allow you to buy not shares in Apple or shares in Google because they're so expensive but a fraction of a share in those companies and those brands that you know and that you wear or that you use every day. And and there is a great appeal. You know, technology has really broken down the barriers and given um, a a low entry point for, you know, a a group of people that that haven't built up their wealth yet to make sort of serious investment decisions. So this is giving them an opportunity to invest in different markets um, at a relatively low cost you know the concern here is that we always talk about investing with a purpose a goal um and with you know um the ability to spread your risk amongst assets and so i'll be the boring person here and give the warning that you know piling all of your money into a single asset whether whether or not it be you know a meme stock or indeed it it be an asset like gold is You are not spreading your risk when you do that. You are uh, putting all of your chips on the rise and fall of that asset. And if there is a dramatic fall in that, we talked about that earlier 16% drop in gold, that's all of your money going with it. So you need to think about if I'm going to be a serious investor, what do I want to achieve with my money over the long term? Can I afford not to touch it over the long term? Am I comfortable with it riding that roller coaster of the markets going up and down? And have I spread my money out? Have I got my eggs in different baskets to make sure that when one asset inevitably falls, because they all do, um, nothing grows forever, do I have other investments in my portfolio that are going to help cushion those losses or even see me growing when other markets are volatile? So that's what you really need to think about when you're becoming an investor. yes, it's great to have this access to loads of different markets. It's fantastic but think about building your portfolio in the tried and tested ways because that will that will that will really do you well uh, in the long term.
0: You know, I've said before that I think it's a great thing that investing, whether that be gold or otherwise, is much easier to get into now and appeals to more people because of it. But with more endless discussions going on and you know how it is on social media where there are lots of very strong opinions. Gareth, can you leave us with some tips on where to find advice, of course, which money is up there um, and how to do your research and find out the right investments for you?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's there's lots of chatter, people out there who describe themselves as finfluencers. Mm. Um, you know, look, there is a, a market, uh, an industry of 20,000 regulated, qualified financial and investment advisors out there who spent tens of thousands of pounds and poured years and years of their time into getting qualified and regulated. And they pay fees every single year. Um, to, to stay in this industry, to give people good quality financial advice. There are companies out there that are regulated and monitored by the Financial Conduct Authority that give people guidance and help help them facilitate their investment decisions, things like investment platforms, insurance companies. they They have a huge amount of oversight. They get a massive slap on the wrist and huge fines if they get something wrong. And they have a a really thick rule book to follow. Now, these are the types of places where I think you should be getting information from, rather than social media channels, because there's such a huge amount of oversight. And it's in their interest um, to give people decent information. So, The likes of investment platforms that publish huge amounts of information and educational content about investing, building a portfolio with calculators and descriptions of different assets. I think they are always a good starting point. You've got government backed information sources, the likes of Money Helper, for example. You've got information on Pension Wise as well. You know, they are good resources. Even Citizens Advice might have some information on um, this kind of stuff as well. So, you've got kind of government funded and government backed sources as well. And then, of course, you've got independent sources that are trusted and which has a reputation. We've been around giving consumers advice. For since 1957, and we've been doing it on investments since 1963. I, I think people think we just tested kettles and toothbrushes and and, and campaigned on seatbelts back in the swinging sixties, but we were also telling people about their money and, and investing. So we've got this really long legacy of um, helping people understand these markets. And yeah, we've got a wealth of information on our website, in our magazine. We cover investments pretty much every month with a sober, dispassionate sensible and authoritative look at what's going on in different markets and moving beyond the hype and noise to help you decide what the right investment is for you.
0: Thanks again to Gareth and thank you for listening to today's show. And if you've got a minute, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback and also any questions you have on the topics we've covered. Plus, they really help others find the podcast and get the all-important money advice out there. You can also find us on social media at whichmoney. And for more news and advice, visit which.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was recorded, produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Kim Carver.